From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today, HealthLink on Air has a heartbreaking story to share. It's a tragedy with an important lesson for improving the safety of prescription medications. With me by phone are Adam and Mary Beth Gillen, the parents of Miss Maisie Gillen. They live in Rochester, New York. In January 2019, after a visit to a neighbor's home, they put their nine-month-old daughter to bed, and the next morning she did not wake up. First of all, let me thank the two of you for being willing to talk about this and share your story. Can you tell us about Maisie? Uh, Maisie was the happiest little girl I've ever met. Um, always a big smile on her face. She enjoyed playing with her big sister and older cousins and super happy girl. Always smiling, always dancing. And nine months old, right? Yes, nine and a half months old. So take us back, if you will, to that January day. Now, th this was, had you recently moved into a new home? Yes, we had been there a couple months, and our neighbors invited us over for dinner, um, kind of a welcome to the neighborhood, get to know each other. Um, so we were really excited about that. Um, we brought our two girls over, Rona, who was almost three at the time, and Maisie, who was nine and a half months. Um, we had a really nice dinner, good conversation. Um, Maisie was in my arms most of the evening. Um, she had recently started crawling, so she did start kicking at one point to be put down. So she was down on the kitchen floor for about five minutes, and I was crouched down on the floor with her as well as our neighbor's oldest daughter. Um, the only thing I saw on the floor was a bowl of cat food and a bowl of water, which they moved because Maisie was going to go beeline for the, the cat food. Um, didn't see anything else. Um, and, yeah, she was only on the floor about five minutes and back in our arms. Um, we were there a little past her bedtime, so she fell asleep in my arms, which is not unordinary. Um, we walked home, put her in her jammies, and put her down to bed. And um, then the next morning... I went in her room around 6 in the morning, and um, she didn't wake up. Um, we administered CPR, and the medics were there very quickly, but they told us there was nothing they could do. And then about two weeks later, we um, learned that she had passed away from a methadone overdose, which was something my husband Adam and I had were not familiar with. We had never heard of methadone before. And so um, initially, it, it seemed to be a sudden infant death syndrome case? That's what we thought. Um, cause nothing really made sense. She was a healthy baby. Um, she wasn't sick at the time. She didn't have any allergies. We, the only thing that made sense was SIDS, but even that didn't really make much sense for us. Um, she was in a safe sleeping environment, and all the risk factors are pretty low for for it to be SIDS, but that's what we thought for the two weeks. Did you know yeah. what methadone was? No, the uh, police had to tell us what it was. Um, so we, we were pretty floored when we heard what it was and really couldn't think of where that could have come from. Um, the police conducted an investigation, and they found out that it came from an elderly relative who was visiting our neighbors and must have dropped a pill. And, and Maisie must have gotten it in those minutes that she was out of your arms. 
Yes, and she supervised the whole time, so we think it just got stuck to a finger, and um, kids always have their fingers in their mouth at that age, and um, that's our best guess. Of the pill itself is very small, so it, it would have been tough to see a white pill on a kitchen floor. So why are you willing to talk about this tragedy? Um, we just really do not want this to happen to anyone else. This has been a nightmare for us, and if we can prevent anyone else from going through it as well, that's what we like to do. Have you talked about what could be done to sort of protect this from happening to someone else? There are lots of things, some of them simple and things that people can just do within their own home such as the, the mantra that has been repeated for a while uh, for safe practice to keep medicines up and away, to take them over a sink, uh, to keep them in their actual containers that are, um, you know, that have mechanisms for child protection. Those are some of the simple things. Some of the, the broader things that you look into is, as you expand out are, um, you know, being up opportunities to provide lock boxes to keep medications in uh, that people may not have, to uh, even legislation to bring around unit dose packaging, which is something that methadone does not currently come in. It currently comes in uh, a regular, you know, sort of pill container. And unit dose packaging has been shown in a number of different studies with a number of different drugs to really mitigate and almost eliminate the the calls to poison control centers for uh, children having access to it. So that and that would that, be a unit dose would be like a blister pack, a, yeah, an a individual pack, pill? like you might get a Claritin in or something like that. Gotcha. And blister packs make people, they force people to be intentional with taking medication one at a time um, or handling medication one at a time rather than pouring it into your hand and and they may not know that one spills out of their hand. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Today, we're talking about the sometimes devastating consequences of unintentional medication exposure in children with Adam and Mary Beth Gillen. They're the parents of Maisie Gillen in Rochester. And now joining me in the studio is toxicologist Gina Marafa from the Upstate New York Poison Center. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Marafa. Thank you. Now, from the perspective of the Poison Center, which serves all of upstate New York, how big of a problem are unintentional medication exposures in children? Unintentional poisonings in children is a significant problem, both at the upstate New York Poison Center as well as nationally. If you look at national call statistics, there's more than 900,000 calls each year to the American Association of Poison Control Centers regarding children less than six years of age. And so if you think about that for a minute, children are a large is one of the major reasons that people call poison control centers and children have they and it's because they get into a lot of different things and so unintentional exposures to medications both prescription and over-the-counter medications unintentional exposures to household chemicals um, and cleaning supplies that could cause um, toxicity so unintentional poisonings are a significant concern um, both within our 
within the upstate New York Poison Center as well as nationally. When you talk about the medications that are that children get a hold of, are we talking about prescription or over-the-counter? So both. So both prescription and over-the-counter medicines um, are a significant cause of unintentional poisonings in children. Um, some are relatively safe where it doesn't require a lot of, doesn't require healthcare intervention, but a lot of medications, even medications that are available over the counter can be um, quite toxic and even deadly in a child in very, very small doses. So this methadone, that that's obviously one of the most dangerous ones, right? Uh, but what are some of the other medications that are that cause the most problem for little kids so when we think about medications that can cause significant poisoning in children in small doses so doses like one or two pills opioid pain medicines are of the highest probably the highest amount so methadone is one of those medicines that's considered an opioid pain medicine other medicines that are like that are things like hydrocodone or oxycodone um, and so opioid pain medicines in one pill can be devastating in a child um, as unfortunately adam and, and mary beth have experienced firsthand um, there are other medicines that are just as dangerous so heart medications or blood pressure medications um, one pill in a child can result in severe um, toxicity. Um, so heart medications, um, medications that people take for depression or so antidepressants or antipsychotic medications can result in toxicity um, in children in very small doses. Diabetes medicines um, can result in significant toxicity. And there are a few others that sometimes people don't even really think about or realize or are poisonous. So an example would be a medicine called benzonitate. It's a brand name, Tessalon Pearls. It's used often for um, to stop a cough. And in the winter, when we have a lot of cough and cold, it's commonly prescribed. And that medicine in one pill can result in significant toxicity in a child. So the list of medications that can cause harm in children is, is quite big. Now, aren't medications required to be packaged in childproof containers, though? So as medication, so when you go to your pharmacy to pick up a medication, um, you, they are, you normally will get them dispensed where they have a, a child-resistant top on that. Um, and so a lot of kids, even though it's child-resistant, a lot of kids are still able to open that. Um, there are some people, particularly people, elderly people, or people who have difficulty opening containers, may request from the pharmacy that they don't want the child-resistant um, cap. And so that cap, so a different cap would be dispensed. Um, and so Yes, that's required, but interestingly enough, when we look at what how does this happen, there was actually a recent study that was just published that showed that we don't do a great job at keeping medicines in their original containers, um, and because of that, that results in a lot of unintentional and po um, unintentional poisonings. In fact, in this recent paper that was just published in JAMA, um, it there was it was very interesting there had been 33 percent of calls during the study period that they looked at a child had accessed a medication that had been removed from the original container or packaging and adults had left pills outside of their regular containers um, in a greater than 40 percent of pediatric exposures involving 
the medications that result in toxicity. So things like opioid pain medicines and medicines for hyperactivity or attention deficit. Is this just a case of adults being um, careless by leaving the cap off or or? Well, is I there think, a reason to transfer the pills from the bottle? Well, I think a lot of times, especially people who take multiple medications, they might put their pills in a daily pill minder um, so that they can then remember to take their medicines, especially if there's more than one. Um, and so pill minders, you don't have, there's nothing that's child resistant on a pill minder. Um, so a lot of it is for ease of of access and administration to people that so it might be that they might remember to take their medicines or if it's someone who has difficulty opening a bottle or remembering they put it in a different container or examples like when someone travels they might change their um, you know puts a quantity of pills again in a pill minder so they don't have to take their whole pill bottle I think that as we're learning more and talking about this more, I think it's important that we have to recognize that as soon as a medication gets taken out of its original pill container, even if it's for not ill meant, it puts our children at increased risk. Um, and we need to do things to get better to prevent to prevent this and to prevent this exposure in children. Now, Adam um, mentioned lock boxes. Can you Explain how those work and where can people get them? So lockboxes is is one component for medication safety, as Adam had mentioned. Um, and so, you know, lockboxes you can purchase online right now. You can go to Amazon and buy a lockbox. There's various different sizes of lockboxes. Um, you can buy a, a small lockbox. You can buy a pouch. Um, you can even get a, a bit bigger and buy a safe for your home. And so the medication lockboxes are usually a combination lock or a key lock. So you get to choose as far as what options there are. And then the sizes are very different as well. Um, and so they are available on, um, on Amazon. Um, there has been an increased discussion of trying to increase availability of these type of medication lock boxes to people. Um, here at Upstate, we've been um, very lucky that in the last six months, we've received some grant funding, um, both from the advocate for Upstate as well as Upstate Foundation to provide medication lockboxes to high-risk patients, especially with small children and opioid pain medicines when they come to university hospitals. So that's our one way here in Syracuse to increase the access to medication lockboxes. Um, but, you know, it needs to be something that's readily available when you go pick up your prescriptions um, and recognizing also that there are especially there are certain medications that are incredibly toxic to children. And so having, having that sense of access and medication lockboxes um, is one way of, of preventing an unintentional exposure. What advice do you have for anyone who takes a medication in terms of how to be safe? And, and I know Adam mentioned some techniques um, storing the medicine up in a way um, where a child can't reach, right? What are some other pieces of advice you have? So there are several pieces of advice. I think up and away is is by far one of the most important messages that you can provide. Um, also, keeping medications in their original containers. Um, and if you have children or even adolescents um, in your home, thinking about 
putting medications either in a safe or a medication lockbox. Um, and then other things that sometimes we don't think about, taking your medicines over the sink so that if you accidentally drop one, which certainly can happen, it's going to fall in the sink and not necessarily on the floor or a carpet that you don't realize that you dropped it. If you do think that you dropped a medicine, things like vacuuming up the area immediately to make sure that at least is one other mechanism to say, I looked if it's if you see it or not, but then taking a vacuum to essentially make sure that that medicine is not on the floor. Um, and then I think it's also important to have those conversations. So if you're a family and you're going to another family member's house that you know, or maybe don't know if they have medicines, asking them, do you have medicines in your house that are dangerous? You know, what is, how do you store those? And I think having that conversation is at least another way to at least to begin to say that medicines need to be stored safely. And we're, you know, all of these conversations are with the intent of protecting our children. Well, this has been a very important topic, and I appreciate it. I want, I want to thank uh, Maisie Gillen's parents, Adam and Mary Beth Gillen of Rochester, and Gina Marafa, a toxicologist and assistant clinical director of the Upstate New York Poison Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.